I want to continue where we were. Um, our Lord talking about the Holy Spirit. You see, if we pray on this, we'll have like eavesdropping on that conversation between Jesus and St. Teresa. Because he's telling us what life is like in the Trinity. This is what he's doing in this section. That's why I'm going to read a little more from St. Thomas. He will glorify me, that is, give a clear knowledge of me. He will do this, first of all, by enlightening the disciples. For they were still carnal and attached to Christ in a carnal way, that is, in the weakness of his flesh, not realizing the grandeur of his divinity. They loved Jesus, and they knew he was special. They had no idea yet how special he really was, as they will be given at Pentecost. Then, knowing then knowing they're ready to tell the world, even if the world kills them. So that's what's going to happen. Later they were able to grasp this through the Holy Spirit. Secondly, the Spirit will give them the confidence to preach clearly and openly. Before this, the disciples were so timid that they, dare not, they did not dare to profess Christ publicly. But when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, fear was cast out, and they proclaimed Christ to the people. Being somehow impelled by that same Spirit, he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind or Spirit of the Lord drives, which is from Isaiah 59. You see the promise? Don't be scared. Oh, by gosh, if the persecution comes, and they put me in jail, and they beat me up, I'll chicken out. No, you won't. No, you won't. Pray now. Obey now, Lord. Let the Lord work with your life now. Then it'll be a piece of cake. You will be so thrilled to be suffering with Jesus that you'll be happy. Of course you'll suffer. It hurts. But there's more than hurt. You see, there's union with Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful promise? Of course, if you look for a man, I'm going to go to jail. They're going to beat me up. Then they're going to shoot me or burn me up or do something. Oh, that's terrible. Well, it is. But if we are close to Christ, he promises, I will be there with you. You know, they tell this famous story about um, Priscilla and uh, Felicity. Felicity and Pr Priscilla was the, was the noble woman, and Felicity was her maid. And uh, they were both put in jail as Christians, and they're waiting to go out into the Colosseum and get eaten by animals or whatever. Well, Felicity gave, gave birth to her child in prison. So she's in there groaning. It hurts. And Jeller calls in, if you're going to groan about this, what are you going to do when they get out there? She said, when I'm out there, somebody else is suffering in me. I don't have to worry about that. So that's what's going on here. Now our Lord begins to start describing for them and for us what happens next. A little while and no longer will you see me. And again a little while, and you will see me. Now, some of his disciples said to each other exactly what we're saying. What is this that he is saying to us? A little while, and you do not see me. And again a little while, and you will see me. And because I go to the Father. Now, this is hard. What does our Lord mean? Well, he means we're not going to see him just walking around in our midst in what Thomas here calls like knowing him in a carnal way, knowing him 
Jesus, you're a great guy. I really like you. You know, you know. We're going to see his divine beauty, even in faith. You see, then you really will see me. And that's what he's saying, you see. Why? Because I go to the Father. Because when I go to the Father, my whole humanity is transformed. That's the mystery of the ascension. And now, when the Spirit reveals me to you, as he does, uh, you see me radiant and beautiful and glorious. And then you know the Father. So then Jesus uh, knew that they wanted to ask him. And he said to them, Are you asking each other about this, that I said a little while and you do not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? In many men I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will be sad. It's going to be hard, but your sadness will be turned into joy. A woman, when she gives birth, has sadness because her time has come. But when she gives birth to a child, she no longer remembers the tribulation because of the joy that someone, a man, has been born into the world. That's the way it's going to be. You won't be, oh, nifty, I'm suffering. But you know it passes. And when you die and you come to heaven, my father will get off the throne. He will walk down to you he will clasp you in his arms and he will say, now it's my turn. Don't you want that? Of course you do. So listen to me. Obey me. My Holy Spirit is going to tell you what I want, minute by minute. Obey. Well, if you're so busy doing stuff and no time for prayer, you're not going to hear him. That would be the tragedy of life, wouldn't it? To go through the whole of your life and never hear the Holy Spirit talk to you. That'd be awful. And it never has to happen. You say, well, I'm not very spiritual. Nobody's very spiritual. But if we go to the Lord, He changes us. And I can promise you, as that Holy Spirit begins to work that way in us, we know. We know it's the Holy Spirit. I've been in difficult situations where I was suffering a lot and I was happy and I thought to myself I'm getting credit for this and I'm not even doing it the Holy Spirit's doing it and I'm just agreeing with him so I look like a hero and I'm really a jerk but the Holy Spirit will work does it mean I don't feel it? of course I feel it but I feel something else too God the Holy Spirit the very living affection, you see, of God himself at work in me, a person. You see, St. Thomas says, is it okay to call the Holy Spirit gift? And he says, yes, because a gift is something that is given to us to possess and enjoy. And the Holy Spirit is given to us by the Father and the Son to possess and enjoy. We forget about this, don't we? We're so worried about the taxes or the all anything. Price of gas. Well, they're worth worrying about. But not at the expense of losing our grasp on our knowledge of Jesus Christ. Nothing is worth that. If you say, well, I don't know him. I promise you, 
I used to when I had I used to give retreats to high school kids. And I loved it. And I would say, you know, you can you can know Jesus, just go ask him. I don't know how many times these young high school kids would come back to me and say, you know, I went home and I went in the corner of my room and I said, Jesus, I would really like to know you. And he came. I know him. It's that simple. Well, I tried it and he keeps me waiting. Of course, he keeps you waiting. The more you wait, the more you yearn, the more you yearn, the more you get. That's the divine economy. Can you see the joy in these, even though he's getting them ready for suffering, you know? You will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You'll be sad, but your sadness will be turned into joy. Why? Because just as a woman has sadness when her time has come, and joy when the baby's born, so you too. You have sadness now, but I will see you again. Not you'll see me, I'll see you. And your heart will rejoice, okay? And that is a line, an allusion to a text in Isaiah 66. And you will see, and your heart will rejoice. What will you see? You will see my power, my beauty. You will see people coming to know me, having their lives changed. You will be living with them. You'll be surrounded by them. And your heart will rejoice. Does that mean suffering is over? No. doesn't mean that at all. St. Therese has a marvelous line. Actually, it's quoted by at least two popes, John Paul II and I think it's Pius XI. She says, you know, I am in such darkness and pain, it's unbelievable. But yet, I have in the fine point of my soul, I have peace, I have light, I have joy. And now I understand how our Lord could pray that the Father had abandoned him and still know the joy of his presence. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? That's a promise. That's a promise, you see? And then, so now you're in that day. What is that day? It's the day of the church. Especially the day of the church after Pentecost. And so, um, on that day you will not ask me anything. Amen, amen, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. What does it mean to ask in the name of Jesus? Just that. I want to join my heart to Jesus and pray to you, Father. I want to pray for the salvation of the world. Are you going to give me that? Then I'll keep at it. I want to pray for the chaos in this world. I want to pray for all the poor in this world. Let them all come into my heart so that I can lift them all up to you. The poor, the lonely, the frightened, the ones who don't know you. Give them to me so I can pray. And then, blessed Holy Spirit, pray like a fire in me so that the prayer will be heard. You see? Because then, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray as I ought. You see? But the paraclete comes, the Spirit comes, and he prays in me. With words beyond all telling. See? Unutterable groaning, Paul says. He prays. This is Romans 8, I'm quoting. And he who sees, you see, uh, that knows that the Spirit is asking according to the mind of God. So what does that mean? It means that the Holy Spirit will take the intercession in the heart of Christ, who's before the Father, pleading mercy for the whole world in an infinite power 
of love and affection in his human heart. And the Holy Spirit takes that and puts it in our heart so that we join him. And we join in his suffering. But it's the suffering that brings life. Other people and ourselves. we got nothing to be afraid of. Well, it hurts. Look, a guy trying to make a million dollars, that hurts too, except it's going to get him nowhere. What we hurt gets us somewhere and not just ourselves. Can you imagine if we try to be faithful to the Lord and give whatever we have to the Lord and pray for this poor world? When we die, I don't know how many people, thousands maybe, are going to come up and shake our hand. Thank you. Because of you, I'm here. Wouldn't that be great to hear that? See, that's life. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's why our Lord challenges us. Up to now, you have not asked anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be filled. Lord, I want the salvation of the whole world. That's what I want. I want everybody, even those who hate you now, to be transformed and come to know you and weep out of joy. That's what I'm asking for, Lord. That's the big thing. If I'm praying that way, it's because the prayer of Jesus Christ is being worked in my heart by the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? And so, you see, uh, and now one final text, and then we will go. I have spoken these things to you in figures of speech. An hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but I will tell you openly about the Father. How will he do that? He will impress the knowledge of the Father right on our heart. And we will know the Father, and we will know that we know the Father. We'll be thrilled to death. That's the promise. Amen.